This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. of hosting this show is you go from one topic to another, one subject, one conversation. Sometimes you get to listen in more and, oh, wow. Other times you get to express and give some opinion or just kind of flashback. Kelly McDonald here today. Brock Richardson joining me on the program. This is Kelly and Ramya, and we're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, remember, first repeat of the program on uh, networks, AMI-audio and AMI-tv, 10 p.m. Eastern. Let's talk a little TV as we welcome in Greg David from our communications department. I'm Greg David, and I love TV. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where we talk about the biggest hits, misses, and trends in television and entertainment. So I'm going to pretend 25 years is so, so long that I'm going to probably say a few inaccurate things or like, Bada bing, or, or what have you, as we talk about the 25th anniversary of The Sopranos. Greg, we welcome you back to the show. And I mean, quite frankly, most people should know. It seems like it anyway, that most people should know what this program is about, but probably we should do a refresher. Yeah, I think so. And I have to admit right off the top, guys, that I did not watch The Sopranos the first time it came around. I watched the first couple of episodes. I was working at TV Guide Canada at the time, and I watched the series finale because everybody was talking about how it was going to be the series finale. So I tuned in to watch that. But yeah, when it was on the very first time on HBO, I didn't watch it all the way through. And so I think there's probably people out there that don't know too much about the show, but Mm -hmm. they've heard the title. So The Sopranos follows this character named Tony Soprano, um, uh, and uh, he's a uh, northern uh, New Jersey-based Italian-American mobster uh, who tries to balance his family life with his role as the boss of the Soprano family, the mob family. And uh, when we first meet up with him in the first few episodes, first season especially, uh, he's suffering from from panic attacks. And as a result, he's uh, participating in therapy sessions with a psychiatrist named Jennifer Melfi. And that's how we kind of learn about his life um, through him talking to and and what he's been going through and why he has these panic attacks uh, while he's talking to the psychiatrist. And um, it's funny because he has like constant conflict with members of his family. Um, He's putting himself at risk all the time because there are other um, mobster families that want to take him down throughout the the series run of the show. Um, He argues with his uncle Junior on regular occasions. Um, His wife Carmela don't always see eye to eye. And, uh, you know, the big one is that there's a New York family called the Lupertazzi family that wants to take him down and unseat him. So those are the types of things that he's dealing with through the run of uh, The Sopranos. Wow. Wow. Oh. I, I always find it so amazing because I think back to, as you say, Dr. Malfi, what a great device for us to get information on mm-hmm. what's inside the head of the character the feelings of the character, the vulnerability of the character. And I stop, Greg, and maybe you. Maybe you can come up with another show prior to this that used that device. I, I don't know if I can. Not so well anyway, but everyone uses it now. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because like Newhart did it, or not Newhart, it was the Bob Newhart show, but that was done as right. like, he his character was that, his and it character. was done for comedic. Yeah, exactly. And as you were talking about that, I realized that this is probably one of the first cases of, you know, mental health being discussed kind of openly on a television show sure. in prime time and it not being like a, you know, a kooky, you know, plot device. This was serious. So yeah, I think that it was, you know, for, for several reasons, The Sopranos was groundbreaking and that's another one of them. And it was hard sometimes to, because at first, did we take that serious? What was the reason? And you, you fought yourself on it, and and still, 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 you just had to realize this is the person who needs it and is talking. Go ahead, Brock. So you mentioned that The Sopranos was uh, twenty five years ago, but you actually have the specific date. And let's also talk about where The Sopranos originally aired as well. Yeah, so uh, there were six seasons of The Sopranos, and they aired from January the 10th, 1999, until June the 10th, 2007, and uh, all six seasons uh, aired on HBO originally. Really funny, too, because the timing, it's something I've uh, had to get used to, the timing of the show could vary just that little bit, or was different than conventional TV time, as we know from the HBO products. The Sopranos were created by David Chase. How did he come up with this idea? Yeah, this is really interesting because David Chase has been in the had been up until that point been in the TV industry for a long time. Uh, he wrote and executive produced uh, on shows like the uh, the Rockford Files with James Garner, which I totally remember, and also a show called Kolchak, The Night Stalker. Oh yeah, which was Darren McGavin, and it was kind mm -hmm. of like it it inspired uh, Chris Carter uh, when he was younger to create the X Files. Um, so we'll talk about maybe that another time. But getting back to the Sopranos and David. Chase, uh, he originally thought of The Sopranos as a feature film about a mobster in therapy and having problems with his mother. Um, and, but when he sat down with his manager, Lloyd Braun, they decided that it would make more sense to adapt it into a television series because you can expand it out and have a bunch of different characters that are, that are interacting with Tony Soprano. And so he signed, uh, David Chase signed a development deal in 1995 with HPO, with, with the production company called Brillstein Gray. And he wrote the original uh, pilot script and that was submitted to HBO. And he, as you know, they, they say, write what you know. And so he was drawing mm -hmm. a, a lot from his personal life and his experiences growing up in New Jersey. Um, the relationship between Tony Soprano and his mother, Livia, is based partially on Chase's own relationship with his mother. And uh, he was also in uh, therapy at the time and modeled the character of Jennifer Melfi after his own psychiatrist. So, you know, not having to reach too far, uh, you know, just back into his own past and was going on with his life at that time when it came to creating The Sopranos. Who was that racketeer that they brought on the Rockford Files, Tony Gagliero or whatever, uh, years ago. It's It was from New Jersey as well. So it's there you crazy, go. you know, as, as you, uh, well, you know, I'm, I was a huge fan of the show uh, due to my father. It was just tremendous. Mm -hmm. When you talk about what you saw, and, and, and again, we, of course, you start when you see these mobster things, how much is stereotype, how much is... What you wonder, are you getting a peek from what the person gleans uh, from right. from that history, like you said, his history being in Jersey? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And as that series went on, you know, it, it just all of the local places, it kind of became like Lord of the Rings and people wanting to tour the locations. They wanted to tour the locations of the Sopranos because it was all filmed largely in the in the New Jersey area. So as the show got more popular, people wanted to find out more about it and, and find out, you know, how tr how true is it? And uh, and even if it isn't true, let's try some of the let's go to some of the restaurants that these guys were filming in front of.
the cast of The Sopranos was led by James G- Good Olfini, and I hope I got that right. He became a household name. How did they end up on the series? Yeah, so James Gandolfini, uh, he was invited to audition for the part of of Tony Soprano. Uh, The casting director for The Sopranos named Susan Fitzgerald saw a clip of his performance in the 1995 film True Romance, which if you have not seen that, you need to check that out. It's a great film. And so she thought that he would make for a great Tony Soprano. Um, Lorraine Bracco, who played the uh, psychiatrist, uh, she uh, played the role of a mob wife named Karen, uh, Karen Hill in Goodfellas, another great movie you should check that one out oh, yes. and she was yeah, she was originally cast to play Carmela Soprano um, Tony's wife and um, instead she uh, said that she wanted to take on the role of Dr. Jennifer Melfi because she wanted to try playing something a little bit different and um, she felt that playing a character like Dr. Melfi would be more of a challenge for her so I know Kelly we've talked about this in the in the past about how casting you know the, if casting had been a little bit different how maybe the show would have been a little bit different as well um, another casting note Stephen Van Zant, who is fantastic as an actor, but to that point hadn't had any acting gigs at all. You know, he was part of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Um, they had reached out to him uh, because uh, he had inducted the Rascals into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and David Chase thought that he was hilarious and said, "You know, I want you to be <laughs> on this show." And originally. Uh, he was thought to be David Chase had him in mind to play Tony Soprano, uh, but wow. HBO said, uh, "Yeah, HBO said, you know, we think that this role should go to a more experienced actor." So Chase wrote the new uh, a new character, Silvio uh, Dante, to to be played by Stephen Van Zant. So can you imagine little Stephen Van Zant from the E Street Band <laughs> playing Tony Soprano? Yeah. I'm not seeing it at all. Like, I mean, even no. physically, you want it. To, James Gandolfini is, is is a larger man and more of an imposing figure. So I think that casting, that was a good decision on the casting part. And I think you needed the experienced actor to catch those little nuances of, of yeah. Tony that you would see often, whatever it might be, the way he pronounces certain things, just the way his, you know... You know, if he snorts or whatever, like you got to have those character traits that really made up that guy and and anyone now mocking, imitating, whatever, you, you kind of have that stuff to capture. And I'm not saying you, you wouldn't anyone else playing playing the role. You can always come up with those things. But boy, what a fit. Not only did the Sopranos push story, you know, a lot of ground in its storytelling. They broke yeah. ground all over the place. But the series finale is one of the most talked about ever Tony and his family are in a restaurant and put a coin in the jukebox and journeys don't stop. Journeys don't stop starts to play. Excuse me. And uh, it appears that a stranger may have walked into the restaurant. But before we find anything out, Greg, screen goes black here. Yeah, people are still talking about that that ending. Uh, you know, when Don't Stop Believin' came on, I was excited. I loved the song anyway. Um, so it was playing in the jukebox. It was it was cool. Uh, there was this mysterious figure that 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 is sitting up near the front of the restaurant, and at one point he gets up and walks towards the bathroom, which is where the Soprano family is sitting. So I'm thinking, okay, this guy's going to walk up to Tony and and kill him right there in front of his family. But instead, he goes into the bathroom, and like you said, Kelly, the screen goes black. Black and the song continues on. So people are still talking about 
what happened and David Chase, you know, has been asked about it over the last 25 years and has been pretty cagey about it. He's never really committed to, to, you know, what happened if the camera had continued to roll and uh, you know, for journey, man, they made out like bandits because don't stop believing saw mm. a resurgence in, in popularity after that. And has stayed kind of at the top of the charts ever since. If you go on Apple music, it continues to be in there. The uh, Sopranos, as you just mentioned, was groundbreaking at the time and responsible for bringing HBO to the forefront. Do you agree with this or do you think it's true? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. One of the things that we haven't really talked about is how Tony Soprano is like the ultimate anti-hero. I mean, the guy's mm -hmm. a criminal. You know, he if he's not killing people or ordering uh, killings happening, that you know he's doing that. He's ordering his guys to kill people. Uh, it's all about that power struggle. But in the way that he's portrayed and written by David Chase and portrayed um, by James Gandolfini, you can't help but cheer for him. So that was one of the major changes in storytelling um, and in te in primetime television and cable television in particular um the sopranos was a major rating success throughout its run despite being on hbo which you have to pay extra to have access to it's not part of a basic cable package uh you know so it, it wasn't available in as many households uh down in the u.s and, and here in canada uh tv critics resoundingly say that this is one of the most uh, influential artistic works of the 2000s and it's it's credited with bringing serial television and and making it a legitimate art form uh, kind of in the same uh, level as feature films, literature, and theater even. So those are, you know, huge kudos. And the success of The Sopranos meant that shows like Six Feet Under and The Shield and mm -hmm. Rescue Me yeah. could make it to the air and have those anti-hero characters that you couldn't help but cheer for uh, and, and make all of those successful uh, on their own in their own right. Like, you know, Six Feet Under was on HBO, but The Shield and Rescue Me broke new ground on the channel FX and put that cable channel on the map. And if it wasn't for The Sopranos, um, uh, Breaking Bad creator Vince Gilligan said that without Tony Soprano, there would be no Walter White. And Vince Gilligan is the creator of Breaking Bad. So, you know, really, really high standards set by The Sopranos and its cast. Interesting when you think about Fox starting off with, all, you know, with uh, Married with Children. You saw a total different look of a yeah. family that you would have expected. HBO, the only network I would have thought to put this on because of what HBO was in the 90s. This is the place you would see this kind of anti-hero or, or programming, sort of like The Simpsons, too, with going back to Fox. So I, I do get that, Greg. Is there anywhere we can watch The Sopranos? Yeah, if you're paying a little bit extra per month, then you get Crave. You can get all six seasons of The Sopranos uh, because they're available there. So yeah, check it out. And I also gave you a bunch of other things that you should be you should be watching as well. A couple of movies in there for free. Awesome, Greg. Beautiful segment. Thanks a lot for the chat, and uh, we'll look forward to see what happens next with The Sopranos and that cult following it has. Take care, pal. Thanks a lot. Join Greg David every other Wednesday to talk all things television here on the program. Up next, what are some of the oddest competitions in the world? Well, you know who's going to let us know about that. Beth Deer joins us next on The Buzz. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.